there are these two young fish swimming along and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way who nods at them and says, morning boys, how's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit and then eventually one of them looks over at the other and goes, what the hell is water? Don Hall, and this is the Peculiar Journeys Podcast. Peculiar Journeys is a weekly storytelling podcast designed to see the water that surrounds us. Peculiar Journeys. This is Don Hall, and this is Peculiar Journeys, Episode 47, Millennium Park Stories. Today, I'm going to introduce you to Arden Haley. Arden Haley was a 30-year-old, 31-year-old black woman who lived in Hammond, Indiana, which meant that she had to commute quite a bit from Hammond to get to downtown Chicago. When I interviewed her, the thing I got right away was that she was very calm. And one of the questions that I would always ask is, uh, and it's one of the questions I always ask for any time I interview people, is that there are three elements of any kind of job. And I want to know which one is the most important. And all three are important on some degree, but which one is the most important? Is it uh, recognition, compensation, or autonomy. You know, everybody's got, everybody wants a little recognition. You know, maybe you need to be thanked for your work. You need to be complimented or not a lot. You need to kind of have that sort of affirmation from your boss. Great. Some people really love the recognition to be seen doing the work and being thanked for it. Some people just don't care about any of that, but they really need to be compensated appropriately. They need to make sure, and everybody needs to be paid, but if that's your main goal, then that's if that's your primary thing, that's got a, an element of how you approach the job. And then there's autonomy. Can you, do you prefer to be left alone? Do you like to be micromanaged? Do you need a lot of direction? I'm always looking for somebody who autonomy is at least in the first or two, first one or two, because I don't want to micromanage. It's not my style. It's not what I do. And so I don't micromanage. There you go. And so I'm looking for people that can make decisions on their own. And she struck me right away as somebody who was very focused and could absolutely solve problems on the fly. And I was absolutely right when I hired her. Um, So we're going to listen to a little bit of uh, Arden. One of the things I really liked about Arden uh, during the summer was as I would make my rounds around the park, I would end up at her position. Well, she was not uh, accustomed to listening to all these different styles of music, especially not orchestra music that was never that wasn't in her wheelhouse. And so we would stand for you know 10, 15 minutes while concerts were going on and talk about what she thought of the music, what she what she liked, what she didn't like, why she liked it, why she didn't like it. She was challenged by a lot of sort of the avant-garde free jazz that the Chicago Jazz Philharmonic would do. And she liked it, but she didn't know why she liked it. So we would have all these kind of conversations. Um, and sometimes we'd have on the movie nights, we'd talk about what was good or bad about the movies we watched. I mean, she and I had a lot of fun just kind of getting to know each other by sharing our experiences with the, with the entertainment that was going on in the park. So, uh, without further ado, here's a little bit of Arden. My name is Arden Haley. I'm a 
name is Arden Haley. Uh, this is my first year as an usher. It's been a great year, fantastic year. Um, I had a few stories I wanted to share, and I think there were there's a little bit of something for everything, every occasion actually. Um, I think my first story has to be a funny one because it was a uh, more a man walking around with no pants in the park. Um, one day we were out on the lawn and we just happened to see a man come up to people with his crotch in everybody's face and you know over their food while they were eating so we had to realize that the man was carrying his pants and not actually had them on so that was very very interesting. He did put them on. Uh, he went down the stairs towards the bathroom area and when he came back he actually had his pants on so he just actually had on he had on a fur coat a cowboy hat and boots but no pants so but when he came back from the bathroom he had on pants and still the fur coat it was a very uh how do you want to say it uh 70s fur coat it was a uh, <laughs> very interesting and the crazy part is you know people are sitting on the lawn and you know he's just walking up to people with a scratch in his face on any given night in the park during a concert, and specifically the orchestra concerts, the Grant Park Music Festival Orchestra Concerts, there are 30 of them in the summer from June 16th to August 16th, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturday nights. They are free concerts. Now, there are four types of people that you're likely to see in the park during a Grant Park Music Festival presentation. The first type, number one, are the patrons, the paying members of the Grant Park Music Festival. Some of them have been paying members of the Grant Park Music Festival for 30 years. This is one of their things they do, and they love doing it, and they do it every summer. They have their special seats. The 2,000 seats up in the front are all theirs, and, and they, they get their own. Not only do they get just, it's not a first-come, first-serve. They get their ticket scanned, their member card scanned. They have a seat they know they're going to sit in. They sit in that seat all season long. So that's number one. Those They are they're, they're there, and they're very serious, very serious about their orchestra music. Then you have... Um, the other 2,000 seats in the seating bowl, those are, those are orchestra fans. Those are people that came to hear the orchestra. Perhaps they're not, paying, they're not paying members, but perhaps they're tourists. They heard about the orchestra. They're students that can't afford to be uh, members of a paying kind of thing. Whatever it is, that's, then you have those 2,000. So that's type two. They're orchestra fans, but they're not like, hey, I've got enough money to do this. I'm not in, in the hoi polloi. Then you have everybody else, and this is really what most of the lawn is, it's people that are are going, it's after work, they're downtown, they bring their kids, they go to Mariano's and get some olives and cheese and some bread and some sandwiches, maybe a pizza, whatever, some booze, be a beer or wine, blanket, uh, cooler, the fold-out chairs. They're there to, to enjoy the music, but it's really more a social experience. It's sitting out in a beautiful park while this music is going on. And sometimes you'd see when when, when there were like 8,000, you'd still have a, like a large section of the back of the lawn that'd be open and you'd see people playing Frisbee while the orchestra was going on or playing touch football or hacky sack, just kind of, it's just sort of a very social, very, you know, it's like, let's go to Ravinia but not spend any money um, kind of experience. And then you have type number four. Type number four 
are people that don't you know, the music is just extraneous. They don't care what kind of music it's playing. There are people in the park and they are also in the park. And sometimes maybe they don't even realize there are people in the park. It doesn't really make any difference. They're there. Examples. Uh, had a gentleman, and I don't know how old he was, but, uh, but like 6'9", six, 6'9", nine, six nine inches, black man. We called him Sasquatch because he wore this gigantic sort of duster um, that was kind of piecemeal, patched together pieces of other jackets. Uh, I, I couldn't tell at one point. It looked like it was maybe there were some garbage bags stitched in, whatever. Uh, on, on nice nights, he wouldn't have any shoes. On nights that were wet or cold, he would have like rags wrapped around his feet. He was obviously homeless. Had his huge mesh bag. Um, had like uh, he was balding in that friar tuck sort of way, big beard. And he was a huge, imposing dude. But he was very benign. He was not, he never, uh, like the only time I saw him kind of lose his shit a little bit was the first time uh, he had to go through security and they wanted to check his bag. And he absolutely was not going to let anybody go through his bag. So for about a week or two, he just didn't come to the park or he would sit outside the periphery. He would not come into the park. Um, then he started coming without his bag or stashing his bag somewhere so he could be in the park. It didn't bother anybody. He wasn't begging for change. He just was kind of around, you know. Um, once in a while, I'd catch him going through the garbage to find food. You know, that's, that that was Sasquatch. He was an example of one of those types. You had uh, uh, Amy. And Amy was a transgender woman. Uh, I don't know if she was, like, full ops transitioned or she was just a cross-dresser that, that, you know, was hoping to be eventually fully transgender. But Amy was there to be seen. Amy was not there to hear the music. Amy was not there. She wanted to be seen by everyone. Now, the difficulty with Amy was that Amy, I mean, some transgender, there's, there's a, a complete, you can't tell. Amy looked like sort of a, a, a squat little dude dressed as a woman. I mean, Amy did not look like, did not look female. I, I guess that's that's what I'll put, that's how I'll put it. I don't want to be uh, insensitive. But Amy was not, um, was not what you envisioned. It was not like a Caitlyn Jenner kind of, wow, wow, she looks like a woman. This looked like Ernest Borgnine in drag. And Amy was always getting into arguments with patrons, with security, with ushers. And it was always that you're looking at me. I mean, she accused one, Ron Spencer was one of my uh, ushers. And at one point, we actually had to escort her out of the park because she was so angry because she was accusing Ron of taking her picture, which Ron didn't even have a phone. So there wasn't, you know, I mean, he didn't have a camera, but that he was taking her picture and that that was abs just thrown a fucking fit. So, that, you know, you have those types. One night, uh, we're all on radio. Um, I've got Arden and Tanya McMorris out on the southwest lawn, which is a position that's a little bit further out, and and you know, but you have lots of people out on the lawn to hand out uh, programs, informational pieces, answer questions, help anybody. That's that's what that position's all about. And I get on the radio. There's about eight eight thousand people in the park, and I get a call on the radio from Arden that they have a problem. Now I've trained those ushers not to just say, hey, come, 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 there's a problem, to specify what the problem is, or whatever the, the question is, or whatever difficulty they're having. And I then can either, if I'm in the middle of something, I can just answer the question, help them solve it, 
or, you know, if it's problematic, I'll come. But if they say there's a problem, we need you on the Southwest lawn and don't tell me specifically what's going on. I know there's something up. So I, I hustle ass over to the Southwest lawn and sure enough, uh, there is a guy, he is wearing a cowboy hat, he's wearing a fur coat, no shirt, cowboy, I think it was cowboy boots, and no pants. I mean, he's just, he's just, like, and, you know, envision this, here he is, and he's not talking to anybody, he's just walking around the lawn. So here is this strange looking figure exposing himself to families that are on the lawn, just sitting on there, just having a picnic, trying to eat their food, drink their wine, listen to music, talk to each other. And here's this dude just walking around, showing off his, you know, bits. And there, you know, obviously this is a problem. So I, I, I go, I go, and Arden, Arden is like, uh, uh, this is a guy, you know, she's just totally discombobulated. So, I started to approach him. He saw me approach him and he started to walk away. And as he was walking, I followed him and he went downstairs into the arcade where all the bathrooms are on the west side. And so I figured I would wait. I mean, I was going to follow him in there, but I waited about a minute and then I realized mm, maybe I should just check. So I go down and I can't find him. He's not in any of the bathrooms. He's not in the arcade. I go all the way down to the end out of the seating bowl thinking, oh my God, if this guy came out in the seating bowl right there at the top where all of the paying customers, all the paying members, you know, they take it very serious. This is going to be a problem. He's nowhere to be found. So I walk back the arcade and I go up to Arden and Tanya and I'm, I'm mystified because he just disappeared. And then about that time, we turn around and Arden goes, oh my God. And he comes out of the arcade, but he's wearing pants this time. But he also is, can he still have his, has his, uh, you know, his fur coat and his hat, but now he's wearing pants. He also has a beach ball and a full bag of family-sized ruffles that he's eating, ruffles potato chips. I don't know where he got these things. I, I mean, he wasn't carrying them around. He had no pants. He didn't have He didn't have this stuff with him. And I'm not sure who would leave a beach ball and a bag of ruffles in the bathroom in the arcade, but he came out. It was like magic. And he came out and... I thought, all right, I'm going to have to, I'm just going to keep my eye on it. He just turned around, walked right out and out to Michigan Avenue and left. So it wasn't an issue, but it was, it was really, really weird, which is something you'd see when you put thousands of people from all walks of life in a giant park. You know, it's just different things around here that really, really catches you off guard and is very interesting and very comical. Um, I had another patron. Um, I was passing out programs. I was on the ramp, and um, I gave, I handed him a program so you know my programs could stay organized or whatever. And he told me that he doesn't do used programs and threw it back at me. So I'm um, just like, okay. No, he told me he doesn't do anything used, is what he said. So I was just like, okay, that's fine. And so he got a brand new program. He dug it out for himself, and that was about it. Um, you know, it's, it's just strange things that happen around the park, and you're just like, okay. You know, just take you for a loop. Um, oh, well, working with, um, I'm very social, and so working with a lot of the people here in the park, uh, I talk to the security guards a lot. And uh, I would happen to be at a um, 
scanning position during Grand Park for the entrance. And uh, we had a security guard there, and it was me and three other uh, ushers. And uh, one of the security guards just to happened to tell, you know, one of the fellow security guards, I mean, one of the fellow ushers, that he spoke good English to be an Asian. So <laughs> we were all kind of baffled because, you know, she said some of the most inappropriate things. She's like, oh, um, you look like you're Asian, and but you speak really good English. Where are you from? And, you know, so... She, he had to correct her and everything and told him a little bit about herself, about himself rather, and uh, it went on from there. But the whole entire night she was over there as a security guard, she pretty much said things that were highly inappropriate and very, she wasn't very cultural aware. So that made it for an interesting night there. We just all looked baffled, you know. Um, so yeah, we were just, just floored. I mentioned last season about Bob. He was in the written piece. And Bob was a 70-year-old uh, retired music teacher. His wife was a music teacher. And they would come um, at least five times a week. And it wasn't just the orchestra concerts. It was all the concerts. They came to rap concerts. They came to see movies. They, they were just, they lived, when I found out later, they lived right across the street from Millennium Park. And just, this was free. And it was a thing to do, and it wasn't television, so this was what they did. Now, Bob was a grumpy old man. He was, I mean, if, if you didn't know him, that that's exactly, it was just kind of a bitchy old dude. His leg was bothering him, but he was too proud to use uh, a wheelchair. But the first time that I met Bob, I walk over and I see on the east side of the seating bowl, where my ushers, I have three ushers, um, that are checking people in and scanning members in. And they have to keep those 2,000 seats separate from the rest of the seats. Otherwise, anybody that just walks in can just take a paid seat. So they have to kind of gatekeep that a little bit. And part of the gatekeeping is older folks or anybody, that, that, that they need to walk around the ramp rather than through that area so that they can keep track. Because there's a lot of people, when you've got thousands of people coming through, you really have to keep track of that. So they would make people walk around the ramp. Well, this older gentleman is sitting there and he sees me in my all black and my name badge. And he says, excuse me, do you work here? I said, I do. He says, who are you? I said, I'm Don Hall. I'm the front of house manager. He says, well, I'd like to lodge a complaint. I said, all right. He says, your ushers aren't doing their job. Your ushers are just reading newspapers and reading books and chit-chatting, and they're not doing their job. Well, I know my, I know they're not reading newspapers. I mean, they're just not newspapers readers, and it's 2018. And, and so I said, so, okay, okay, so they're not doing their job. I said, is there a specific issue? Because I'm looking to see if I can solve his problem. He says, well, they, they're, just, they're just racist against older people. I didn't want to correct his complete misuse of the word racist, but I said, how so? Well, they just, they don't understand that my leg is this and that, and then they just sit and they read, and they're reading newspapers and this, and then I realized he just wants to bitch. He has no interest in having a problem solved. He wants me to dress down the ushers because they didn't let him in. They made him walk around and it pissed him off. So once I realized that there's no solving, there's no problem to solve, he just wants to piss and moan, I went, all right. And so I started to interrupt him slightly just for information. I said, wait, wait, okay. I said, can I stop you for a second, Bob? I said, what, 
what kind of newspaper was you re, do you recall which newspaper they were reading or there was it several newspapers and he goes what difference does that make and i said well if you know if i'm going to have sort of the moral authority to come and talk to them and discuss with them their behavior i'd like to more information is better bob more information is better and so and, and it also makes it is it the chicago sun times which then i'm just going to get irritated because that's a shitty newspaper or if it's like the wall street journal then i know that's a different thing i said do you re- recall what kind what newspapers no i don't know I, I have no idea i, I don't no. I said, okay, okay, that's fine. That's fine. I said, go ahead. Well, there, I mean, I know there are people, there are groups of people that no longer come to the free concerts. They don't come to the concerts in the park anymore because of your ushers. They said, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Okay, so there are groups. I said, so what you're saying is there are groups of people that do not come to the park for concerts anymore specifically because the ushers chit-chat and read newspapers I said, do you know? I mean, and they and they all told you. They all made a point to talk to you about this to let you know that's why they no longer come to the park. I said, so are they? Are they? I mean, are they organized? Is it like a Facebook group or is there any way I get a hold of them? He goes, why? Why? That's not important. I said, no way, man. I mean, if you're going to make the accusation, if you're going to say that there are groups, indeed groups of people not coming to the park, Bob. I said, I, I as you know, front of house manager and, you know, and the best of customer service, I really need to know who these people are because that's that's kind of a big deal. Also, it gives me the moral authority to go to my, my ushers to say, there are groups, and here are verified groups that don't come because of your behavior. I mean, otherwise, then I'm just making stuff up, right, Bob? I'm just making stuff up if I, if I don't have specifics, right? So we do this for a while. We do this probably probably five, seven minutes, and he finally just gives up. He was just frustrated. And so I walked over to my uh, ushers, and I said, Hey, guys, if for some reason you decide to to read a newspaper, could you just not? And they they were, what? And I I told them the story, and they laughed. And that was was my The funny thing about it was after that night, every time Bob came into the park, he just was thrilled to see me. Thrilled to see my ushers. He was just, I, I don't even know how that worked. I don't understand that at all. But that was Bob. Um, at one point, I'm one of the things to know is that there's no smoking in the park. I mean, you can smoke on the periphery. You can't smoke on the lawn. You can't smoke in the bowl. That's just, just that's the deal. And because we're all Mrs. Kravitz at this point, we're all so fucking noisy, nosy, and we're all so attuned that we need to self-police one another, there's always going to be some misunderstandings. So I get Peter Kermitis says, there's a problem, radios me, radios me, there's a problem on the lawn. So I walk over and there is an older patron, he's a regular, and he's obviously shaken. And there's a younger man, maybe 20, 22, who um, has a cigarette and is screaming at this guy. He's like, and he's very, I mean, he's my motherfucker. I'm going to kick your fucking, I mean, he's really like doing, doing the thing. He's doing the posture. He's doing, I'm going to kick your ass old man kind of thing. So I walk over and I said, well, excuse me, excuse me, pardon me, pardon me. And you know, I'm wearing all black and I have a radio. So I look like obscurity and you know, a loud mouth calms down. And I said, what seems to be a problem? And the older gentleman, who again, I don't know his name, but I recognize him. He says, well, there's no smoking. There's no smoking on the lawn. And that young man is smoking, and the guy starts to yell, and I calmed him down. And I said, "Well, and so you decided that it was your job to self-police him and, and tell him." I got it. I said, "I totally understand." I said, "Why don't you go enjoy the concert? Concert's going on. Why don't you go enjoy the concert and and have a great time?" And so he kind of 
he looks shaken, but he's like, all right. He's just happy that somebody took care of him. And I turned to the guy and I said, so before we get into this, I said, first of all, there is no smoking on the lawn. I mean, he is right about that. And the kid starts to yell. I said, I, I said stop, please, please, please. I said, I want you to stop for just a second. And I want you to think about who you are in the world. And I want you to think about, is this who you want to be in the world? I said, because this is what I see. I said, whatever you see in yourself, I said, I think that's grand. I said, what I see is you are at an orchestra concert out in the most lovely park you're going to see, screaming violence at probably an 80-year-old man because he asked you not to smoke on the lawn. So no, and he started to say, I said, no, no, no. I, I, I said, you know, it, it's your choice, not my choice. I mean, I'm telling you straight up, you can't smoke that cigarette on the lawn and you're going to not smoke that cigarette on the lawn. That's just how that's gonna work. However, I said, I just want you to think about who you are in the world and how you want to appear to the world. And if you want to be seen as the kind of person who will threaten violence to an 80-year-old man for doing something that you're not really supposed to do. And he was just reminding, is that the kind of person you want to be? And he kind of sits there and he kind of stands there for a second. And he goes, well, okay, so where can I smoke? And I said, just right over there on the sidewalk. And, All right. And he walks over. <laughs> this is another instance of... Millennium Park. It's just how it works. It's just the way that's just the, the kind, you know, it's just every day was something new. Now, we did have new security, and uh, Arden uh, uh, mentions the security. And uh, they were all, the thing about the security was, again, it's it's like a 12, 11, $12 an hour job. Most of them were, the thing I thought was interesting, and this is interesting, is that most of them were probably 20, 22 years old, and most of them were black women. That's just how it worked. I mean, there are definitely, definitely some black men. Not a lot of white security guards, which was, I guess, I, I don't know why that doesn't surprise me, or it should surprise me, or it does surprise me. But there were not, uh, I don't recall any white security guards. There were some Latino, Latino women, and a lot of black men and women, African-American. And the thing about it is some of them were young, young enough that this had never done anything like that and the staff didn't really train them very well so they did not always uh, treat patrons they did not de-escalate let's put it that way they didn't really know how to de-escalate situations if somebody yelled at them for you know going through their bag they just yelled right back you know and it just got big you know they would escalate and I, the thing about it is when i was finding myself having to de-escalate situations between security guards and patrons it's like i i would so what i realized was i have to get to know these security guards so i made a point every night as i'm walking around talking to them giving them the rock and roll symbol you know and by the end of the summer everybody was going rock and roll when they saw me which is great um and uh you know, it was very fun. One of the things that I, and, and you'll hear this later on in the season, one of the things I thought was really exciting was to watch these young people, probably their very first or second, like, job job. Like, where, the, you know, here I'm getting my minimum wage. It's better than working at McDonald's in some ways, I guess. And watching them grow into the role. You know, they're, they're assaulted in the very first thing with the house music festival, which was nuts. And then as the summer goes on, you can see them figure out 
And because I was invested in their success, you could see them figure out how this whole thing worked. And that was super exciting and super fun to watch them get better. Um, I remember Letitia. And Letitia just couldn't handle it. She hated the people. She couldn't take the people. And she would come to me and say, I'm quitting. I'm quitting tomorrow. I'm done. I'm quitting tomorrow. And I would talk her out of quitting. So Letitia, do you really want to be a quitter? It's only three weeks into the season and you've just been here for a little while and you're just getting your feet wet. And do you really want to be known as somebody that just quits? I, I said, are you being mistreated? Do you feel like you're, you're being you know, harassed in any way or, or talked down to? And she, no, no, I just can't stand the crowds. And I said, so is this like a general crowd thing? Do you find that when you're in crowds that you have issue with the Christian? No, I just, they just, the way they're always angry and it's always, and this job means I have to be angry and then I have to yell at people. And I said, okay. And so we would talk about, you know, and I'd watch her and she'd ask me questions. And by the thing I love about Letitia was that she didn't quit. She stuck around. And by the end of the summer, they had, she'd gotten so good at the job and had been so committed to the job that they actually promoted her. And so she didn't actually have to work with, because, you know, she didn't have to work with the public anymore. She was actually one of the supervisors of the others that did have to work with them. And I remember, this is probably August, hearing her talking to one of the newer security guards and saying almost exactly what I had said to her about what she was doing, about quitting, about learning how to do this stuff. And I thought, okay, this is great. I love this. What a fun thing. And that was very fun. All right, let's hear just a little bit more of Arden Haley. We had a patron um, one night during a uh, Grand Park night. We had uh, rain jackets on because it was raining. And I was talking to an usher on the West Walkway. We had a guy, we ended up taking off the rain jackets because it was pretty hot and it was getting muggy. So he's like, oh, is this where the show is? He's like, oh, I'm just in time for the show. We was just like, what? And this man is, has to be like 85 years old. And so he's telling us how hot we were because we were taking off our clothes. So so that was pretty uh, interesting. You know, usually we take uh, offense to that, but because the guy was so old, it was just like comical more so than anything. Um, so it's, it's only actually uh, sexually inappropriate if they're strong <laughs> enough to actually do something about it. Is that it? No, no. But no, it's, um, it wasn't as creepy. You know, it was creepy but it wasn't as creepy because he was kind of cute a cuter older guy and um so it, it didn't make it that bad um let me see oh i have um an interesting one you know during grand park night most of the people most of the audience and patrons are uh, older and you know so whenever they can't get in and can't walk around to the uh to their seats in the free seating area, they always want to come through the reserve seating area. And I happened to tell this lady, I was like, I told her every excuse in the book of why she couldn't possibly come in through this entrance because it was reserved, it was for patrons and you know, who were members. And she made, gave me every excuse on why she should come through. Then she finally told me that uh, she was 93 years old and she couldn't walk in around and walk around anymore. You know, and I said, okay. I said, well, you can take a break here and then until you get your second win and then you can go to your free seat up the ramp. So a lady behind her, she just, uh, you know, she was getting really disgusted with the lady. She had to be just as old, older. Uh, she had to be in her 80s, but the lady who was really trying to cause a scene with me was like 93, she told me. And uh, 
So she finally decided to walk off, and the lady behind her told me, she was like, oh, well, since she wants to make a big deal about her age, tell her everybody's a baby boomer. I said, I said, okay, I said, I'll pass that on next time. And she was like, huh, good grief, you know, and she walked on to her reserve seating. So that was very interesting. Um, it's been a, a very adventurous, to say the least, uh, experience working at the park so I'm definitely hoping I'll be invited to come back next year so uh, I think that's pretty much it for my stories all right and that's Arden Haley these were Millennium Park stories I hope that gives you a little bit of a taste of uh, of, of some of one one specific usher Arden Haley she's wonderful and uh, that's the podcast those are the stories for today um, I would like to ask you, if you enjoy Peculiar Journeys, you're enjoying the Millennium Park stories, do me a favor, please share it on your blog or on your social media or Snapchat or Instagram. Just share the things so that other people can listen to them. Um, and if you like what you hear enough that you're like, hey, you know what? I stopped giving to public radio years ago because I don't need a fucking tote bag. But you still have that money sitting in your bank account, maybe a dollar a month as a Patreon subscriber. Uh, is something you can afford. Would really appreciate it. All right, we'll have some more Millennium Park stories next week. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you then. Peculiar Journeys is a weekly storytelling podcast produced, voiced, and edited by myself in my apartment above a bar in Wicker Park, Chicago. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or catch it on SoundCloud, or download it from DonHallChicago.com. You can assist Peculiar Journeys financially, if you can, by becoming a VIP patron on www.patreon.com slash peculiarjourneys. Peculiar Journeys.